This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Please follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. And our guest today is Madeline Cheney, and I adore her. She is our support group facilitator for our Utah Satellite Support Group. And we met over the internet and bonded, and she loved what we're doing, and we are brave together and said, can I start a group here? And I said, yes, so fast, and I'm so grateful that she wanted to do that. And a little bit about her. She lives in northern Utah with her husband, Justin, and their two young children, Wendy, who is five, and Kimball, who is 2.5. Madeline's nightly bubble baths are non-negotiable in her self-care arsenal, and they're usually accompanied by either a historical fiction novel or an inspirational self-help book. She is the podcaster behind The Rare Life, inspired by her son, Kimball, and his rare genetic syndrome and the altered life she found her family living because of it. She adores the deep connection she has found with other parents of medically complex children and is in constant pursuit of the real, raw, and all the feels. I value the raw, the real, the transparency, just how it really is. You know, forget the curated Instagram grid. Let's just tell it like it really, really is. And thank you for being a voice. So how are you today? <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I feel like every so often I just feel this bone deep exhaustion from just being a stay at home mom and just all that entails just the everyday grind. And uh, sometimes the grief of everything hits me. And I have a wave as you call it. And I've been having that wave today. So I'm ready to be real and raw and get into like all the, all the feels. I get it. I get the wave. I get the grief. That's just always beneath the surface, not always pinging us and painting us, but, but then when it does, you just kind of have to sit with it. It's okay. It's okay. Totally. And it has, I've had some good conversations with our five-year-old about grief and about having hard days and it's okay. And so I feel like that's been a really healthy thing for her to to see and to learn from that. Oh, that's so great. Tell us a little bit about Wendy, your five-year-old. Wendy and Kimball are both, they're very different from each other. They're like, the, they are each definitely their own little person. Wendy is so independent and so intellectual. She just blows my mind with how smart she is. She picks up on everything. And uh, she just loves learning and asking about what words mean. And she had, she also has a, along with that, she's very ambitious and she's kind of a, she's very aggressive. So that has been an interesting um, thing that has really come out since Kimball was born. That's how she 
shows her emotions is by hitting and hurting. So that's kind of been our constant uh that we've been trying to help her with and gradually over time their relationship has gotten better but it is still that's still something that we work on all the time with her but we love our little wendy bird (laughs) oh and tell us about kimball yeah kimball is uh like i said he's just very different than wendy not that either is better or worse, but he is just a little softy. He's super uh, sweet and kind-hearted, very empathetic. Even at his young age right now, we're seeing um, he's very sensitive to other people's emotions, and he names them, and he wants people to be happy. So that's kind of his his thing. He loves it when everyone's happy, and he loves the snuggles and the cuddles, and he likes to just kind of take things at his own pace. So where Wendy was super advanced in all areas um, since she was just a little baby. Kimball just, you know, he's, he doesn't want to be rushed. He's doing his thing. He's super easygoing. So, and he, he's the one with our medical, you know, with his medical issues. And he's been through a lot in his little life. So tell us about that. Tell us about that. And, and obviously his, medical condition or conditions, I know there's a lot going on with Kimball, is the catalyst for starting your podcast, which we'll also talk about. So tell us a little bit what's going on with Kimball. So he has a very rare genetic syndrome uh, that affects mostly his bone structure, although that's not all. He has kind of like a list of birth defects that I kind of rattle off. So he has hearing loss. So he's hard of hearing with hearing aids. Um, He has blindness. So he is technically deaf blind, although he uses his vision very functionally now, although he was almost completely blind when he was born for the first bit. Uh, He has no nasal bone, which is a very rare birth defect, uh, but it hugely impacts his airway. And uh, he needed a G-tube to eat um, when he was in the first year because of that, because he couldn't breathe and take a bottle at the same time and has been hospitalized for, you know, just common colds when he gets congested uh, to help him breathe. A lot of kids with his syndrome have trachs because of that. He was able to escape without one, which we are grateful for. And he has an unstable cervical spine. And the cervical spine is just the, the part, the vertebrae that lead up to your skull and your neck area. And that is there to protect your spinal cord from compression, which if it happens at that level, uh, people uh, can become paralyzed or die. So that's a really scary one that those vertebrae just did not harden for him at the C1 and C2 level, which is also a very rare birth defect. So that's kind of something that neurosurgeons have scratching their head at what to do with that. Uh, He will probably be fused in the future to harden those bones and keep him safe. And right now he wears a cervical collar for that. So that one's the scariest one. That's our biggest, uh, you know, lay awake at night worrying one because kids have died from it. And so that's really scary. And then uh, he has a form of dwarfism. So he's really teeny tiny, which I kind of love. He's adorable. And he (laughs) is so cute. He also has low muscle tone, which I know Ryan does too. So that affects a lot. That entails a lot of therapy to help him just meet the things that Wendy did naturally. No, she just did. So, yeah. So that has kept us on our toes and uh, medically going to appointments, but also therapies to help him 
reach his potential and, and, you know, live his best life. So, Mm. and we've talked about this, you've talked about this, you talked about it on your podcast. It's, it's heavy, it's heavy. And you have shared that it's a genetically inherited syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of, that was something we knew was a possibility when we first found out that he had, when his genetic testing came back positive with the syndrome. And it's kind of a 50-50, either it happens spontaneously, the, the deletion in the gene, or it is inherited. And I was like, oh, there's no way it's inherited. Like no one in my family has this, you know, it's the type of thing you just look at other parents and say, oh, that's sad. That would be hard, but that's not me. But then lo and behold, we did get that genetic testing done. I think he was 18 months old at the time. So it hasn't really been that long. It's been about a year. And uh, I came back positive as being a carrier. And so that was just this huge blow. It was such, I was so blindsided by it. For some reason, I just didn't think that I would be that person who'd be a carrier. And um, so obviously there was this responsibility I felt uh, for all the suffering that he he was going through. And at that time, especially, things have leveled out a lot now. But at that time, we were all just drowning in all of it. And he was being hospitalized frequently emergent, like, you know, for emergency um, airway issues. And I just couldn't, I couldn't stand the idea that I had, I had passed this on to him and that I, I was very illogical in my mindset, but that if Kimball had only been born to someone else, then he wouldn't have had all of this crap to go through and live his whole life with, and that I had cursed him with this thing. And so, and also the guilt that I don't have care, I don't have any symptoms because I have two healthy exes that my body chooses from because I am female and he is male. And so he got, he got landed with my, my D, uh, my uh, faulty ex. And so, yeah, just lots of guilt and um, responsibility I feel for his suffering. When I listened to your podcast, when you shared that, I wanted to show up at your house. I I just wanted to lift that off of you, Madeline. <laughs> I I can't imagine carrying that and feeling like it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Mm-hmm. So that was about a, a year ago. That you got that news. Yeah, yeah. Where are you today? How do you carry those those thoughts and the, the results of that test? Well, I think a lot of it has evolved in some ways, but also remained the same in others. And I'll explain that. So I think it will, I will always, always hold that guilt. I, I, for the first while, I tried to, I worked with a therapist and I tried to rid myself of that guilt because I knew it was so illogical. I didn't choose to give this to him. I didn't, I didn't do anything maliciously to my son. And yet I still felt this heavy weight and this heavy guilt that my body messed up basically in creating him and that it was my, my body's fault. And as I was working through that, I actually realized at least for now, and maybe this will change in the future, but at least for now, I feel like that's okay. Like that's okay to feel that guilt. And even though it is so heavy and I hate it, I'm learning to try to lean into it and to 
um, experience all of the feelings that are associated with that and just know that like that's that'll be part of my life forever. I will I don't think there is anything I can do to fully uh, rid myself of that guilt. But I do feel at peace with it at the same time because I feel like, you know, that's okay. That's okay that that's that's just part of this deal. And it has evolved in some ways because at that point when we got the results, Kimball was so, so sick and so passive and just he couldn't see, he couldn't really hear Um, He was so behind in so many ways, and he just didn't have a lot of ways to interact with his world. He didn't have any any speech or, you know, he was not very mobile. And and so since that point, or at that point, his diagnosis just engulfed our lives, and it seemed to have kind of stolen what I felt like he would have been without it. But then since then, he has done super well with his therapies. He's smashed through these barriers that he was up against for so long, uh, verbally and gross motor wise. So he's running around, he's climbing, he's jumping, he's talking, he's more advanced in his language than other kids his age on average. So he's talking up a storm. He just loves life. Like I said, he loves snuggles. He loves hugs. He loves people. And so seeing all that he's become and seeing his, like really his personality shine through and getting to know him better and seeing other people adore him, uh, I'm able to also recognize what my body has done correctly, right? Like I can see this wonderful little boy that I have created and I'm able to see both parts of it really to recognize, okay, well, I gave him the syndrome. I am still super sad to see because he still does struggle you know, with a lot of things because of it. But I'm also able to see all that my body has done in creating Kimball and who he is. And of course, I love him dearly and I know the world needs him in it. And so I'm able to, you know, love my body for what I've done at the same time as resent it and hate it. <laughs> so it's kind of this this, this double-edged, you know, sword or two-sided coin. What would you say to other moms who are also grappling with feeling guilt that it's their fault. What do you wish somebody would have said to you if they could have said something comforting? I think I would have liked to know how common it is. I didn't know it was common until I actually recorded that episode I talked that you talked about. Um, when I shared about being a carrier, I thought it was this big, huge confession that I was putting out into the world that everyone would be like, wow, that would be so hard. I can't relate. And I got so many messages and so many comments from other moms who were like, yeah, I'm a carrier too. And it sucks so bad. And I was like, whoa. And and me going out and sharing this experience that I thought was so unique, I found that it really isn't unique, but it's something deep and dark that we don't like to talk about because it's terrible and awful and probably the darkest place I ever go to mentally. And so um, I I would have loved to have known that it wasn't the super rare thing that there are other moms grappling with this, with this guilt. And I think I would have liked someone to tell me, Maddie, just lean into it. Like this sucks so bad. Feel it, sit there, deal with it and carry it with you. Because when I first found out, I worked so hard in trying to squash it down and logic myself out of it. And it just didn't work. It finally took my therapist asking, do you really believe it's not your fault? And I, it all hit me. And I was like, that really is something I've believed. I believed it's my fault, but I've squashed it so deep down. I wasn't able to deal with it. 
And so I wish I could have told myself and I would recommend to other people. It, it is a really heavy, hard thing. And so giving it its gravity and allowing it to do its work inside you, I think, is a huge part in moving forward with it, even if you can't move on from it. Mm, good words. Does it make you squeamish, nervous, uh, hesitant to have more kids? I don't know what the likelihood, like in, in PWS, it's not genetically inherited, but the likelihood of having another child with PWS is one in a million. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not likely. And so that was a relief learning that. Uh, but I knew that anything else could happen too, because the world of special needs was now very real to me and Chris. And so uh, it was nice to hear that it probably wouldn't happen again. But I was still very aware that there was a lot of other things that that could happen. We did end up not doing any genetic testing because we just decided that every scenario that we came up with, we just would have said, this child is a gift and we will do everything we can and we will love this child and we will learn and we will grow and we will trust God to carry us through. But so we didn't end up doing any, any kind of testing. So is that a fair question for me to ask? Is it intrusive? I know, I know it can be though. I mean, it, I know just based on, you know, our community and our, our free flowing conversations and shares within our secret Facebook group that it can be very offensive and very hurtful when somebody asks that. So that's not where I'm coming from, but I just wonder if it, if it makes you hesitant. Yeah, no, to, well, to start off, I guess I wouldn't recommend asking any, just anyone that, and obviously you know me, so I'll make this disclaimer. Don't go around asking people who are carriers if they will have kids, because some people are not ready to talk about that. I, as we mentioned, am all about being super vulnerable and, probably in some ways oversharing. So I am all about getting right into that. Um, so yeah, that was like this, that was obviously that's a huge other part of this is, uh, is the genetic inheritedness of it. And, um, when we were first waiting on getting the results back from genetics, I remember thinking, or I guess, okay, let me back up. Before we got the results back and we knew that I was a carrier, I remember thinking, I just want to have another baby and experience that again of just not having the therapies, not going to the hospital, not worrying about them surviving, like just just that typical babyhood that I took for granted with Wendy. I want that again so I can like fully appreciate that. And I was just so tired, so tired from all of it. And and then a few months later, we got back the results that I'm a carrier, and that means that 50% of the babies that we have have the faulty X from me. Uh, and if they are female, they have the two X's, so they would not have symptoms. And if they are male and they have the faulty X, then they have symptoms. So that that leads to a one out of four chance of having each baby that we have, or each pregnancy is a one in four chance of having that. Um, a baby with that syndrome again with symptoms. And I'll add in there too, 
that later after Kimball was born, actually while interviewing another mom with a child with the same syndrome, she told me, I hadn't, I didn't know this. That's the thing about rare syndromes. You know, you don't know everything, but a third of the boys born with this X don't have symptoms. Another third of them have symptoms like Kimball. So there's a range of, you know, how severe he's, he's pretty severe, but not the most severe. And then the last third die within the first month after being born. So that is a huge, heavy thing that we are aware of now. Um, And so going forward with uh, trying to decide what to do and like if we should have more children, um, you know, that that statistic right there is a huge real thing because we know that we can do what we did with Kimball. It was living hell, but I know that we are capable of it and probably even harder because we were able to survive that. But then knowing that on the table there is that chance a third, you know, one out of or a third of the babies born with this die in the first month. I honestly don't feel like I am capable of that. And I know no mom who has a child die ever feels capable of it and they just do it. But I, that is the most soul sucking, mind numbing place to go to picture that ever happening to me. And I know that it could, because like you said, like anything's a possibility when you've when the impossibles happen to you. And so, you know, that has been a huge part of it. But we were told that we had basically three options to proceed as far as family planning. So we could either not have more kids, which is the easy or the obvious, you know, solution to that. We could do, we could just go ahead and, you know, take our chances of having another child with it. Or we could do IVF to be able to select eggs that didn't have the syndrome. And I have, you know, I have friends who've done that. And I think they're heroic and they're awesome. And like, go them for going through IVF to do that and to keep their children safe. Um, I'm really, really close to a, I have a very close friend who, um, has done IVF and I've been um, there with her for a lot of it, you know, emotionally. And I, as soon as he said that option, for some reason, I just, I repulsed. It was so repulsive to me. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm not sure if that was just me being lazy or scared or if it really was, you know, uh, intuition of what was not right for our family. But I just knew that's not, that wasn't an option we were going to pursue personally. And it, you know, that part, you know, the option becomes really complex when you have a child with the syndrome because, you know, there's that blazing truth that we would not, we would skip over Kimball. You know, if, if we had done IVF before with Kimball, we would have skipped over him and we wouldn't have him in our family. So that just gets so complex and so complicated and we decided not to go there. So we decided the option of going forward with the chance of having a child with the syndrome again. And that's been a very hugely scary uh, decision that was very uh, prayer involved and soul searching. But I just, I've known that there was another child that we needed to have. And, you know, there's a part of my heart that will never be complete without that child. And so, you know, what's worse living the easy quote unquote easy route without you just saying, okay, we're done. We'll be, we'll be done, which, 
is so understandable and everyone would like that would make so much sense. Um, I just I don't think I can live my life without that other child knowing what they could be, you know, knowing Wendy and knowing Kimball and how much value they've added to our family. I just can't live my life without that third child and not knowing them and having them in our family. And so we are, you know, pursuing that route right now. I'm not pregnant, but, you know, we hope to add that child in the next few years. And it's a scary, scary thing to endeavor on, but it's part of the deal. It's also scary. I understand that burning desire. Chris and I definitely had that. And we knew that, you know, adding a third child to our story, we already had Luke and we had Ryan going through everything that he was going through. Like life is going to be hard and busy anyways. Yeah, We really have this desire. We really wanted a third and we just had to. I mean, I, I understand that feeling. Like I would have felt very incomplete and when I was pregnant with Ryan, I thought, two's easy. Good. We're done. Two. We're going to have two. <laughs> one for you, one for me. And it's manageable, said the control freak. So, <laughs> um, but then even with everything that we were going through with Ryan, even though we knew it was a lifelong journey, we just had that desire. I applaud you for honoring your heart, honoring your soul, Mm. honoring what you both want for your family. Thank you. It's definitely, you know, it's one of those things like, are we crazy? Are we just completely crazy for doing this? But you do have to be just true to yourself. Lesson that I've learned, I think so many of us have learned through these really difficult journeys with our children is that I can do it. Like no matter how, even if that baby dies, I can do it because what seemed completely impossible and so far beyond what I felt capable of, I've done and I'm still here. And so I think that, that like, well, we've been through that. Let's, let's just blaze this trail and continue forward with the unknown and the possibility of really, really hard things happening again, or even worse. Uh, There's just that knowledge deep within me that I can get through it. I know that there are listeners out there, Madeline, who heard what you said and are going to be buoyed by that. They are going to be uplifted by that because it is so true. Fill in the blank. This is the worst thing that could happen to me. I would die. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't do it. Whatever that is, that those fantasies that we've, you know, or nightmares that we've played out in our minds and then it happens and we survive and we don't give up and give in to despair and hardship. And we are a lot stronger than we think. And we get stronger as we go through it. Yes, we can. We can do really, really, really hard things. And we have to remind ourselves, because I don't know about you, in the tough moments with Ryan, it's easy for me to, to doubt Like, I shouldn't have been his mom. Like, I can't handle this. I'm losing my compassion in this moment right now. And I just, this is so hard, whatever is going on with him. And then you stop and pause and you realize, oh, yes, I have done this. I can do this. I can be a great mother to Ryan. And yes, I can move forward. So I I appreciate you bringing that up because we, we need those reminders. We need those reminders. Yeah. Yeah. And even like your, the fact that you're worried about it or you feel 
guilty for maybe losing your cool or feeling weak. It only shows how much you love your child. And that in the end is what, you know, it sounds cheesy, but it really is in the end. That's what matters is how much we love these kids and what we're willing to do for them. And so, you know, even recognizing that like, wow, I feel so weak or I'm just not good enough for them or, you know, any of this, or I gave them this condition and I feel so bad about it. It's all of it is love. All of it comes from that love that we have for them. And that right there is the best gift we could give them. So. Ah, so true. It really is. And why do we take that for granted? We would do anything for them. We must not just discount that. And that is uh, the foundation that they're growing up with and they're surrounded with. Yeah, we, we definitely need to recognize that. Before we go, I want you to tell everyone uh, about your podcast and where they can find it. And I'd love to hear one nugget that that you've received just from talking to so many moms in the rare disease world. What's one really joyful takeaway for you? Oh, man, there's so many. So I guess first off, the easy answer. It's uh, my podcast is called The Rare Life. And um, as we mentioned, it is inspired by Kimball. You know, the way that our life has been impacted by him and his syndrome and uh, how it has been for so many parents. I share my story on there and I have other parents on like Jessica <laughs> to share their story and expertise and things they've learned. You can find that on any podcasting app or on my website, therarelifepodcast.com. I'm on Instagram at the underscore rare underscore life if you want to see really cute pictures of Kimball on there. <laughs> Let's see. And then something that I've learned. So I think... Honestly, one of the most impactful things that I've taken away from a parent when I was interviewing them was way back in season or in, way back in episode two. So that was my very first parent that I interviewed. Her name is Alyssa Reedhead, and she is awesome at just <laughs> dropping these truth bombs. And her son is four years old, uh, and he is you know major has major disabilities. And she was saying how much she hated when people would say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry for his disabilities. And she said, no, it's awesome. I love it. I love the way he is. And that just blew my mind. I was like, you love that? Because <laughs> I, you know, I've always, I've always kind of been like, oh, this stinking syndrome making him suffer so much and making my life so much harder. And so that example of how much she just wore that with pride and was so happy to be his mom and was so happy to have a child with disabilities was so eye-opening to me in that perspective. I'm still kind of working on that because I still have that angsty, I hate the syndrome mentality sometimes, but I just love that fierce love and pride she had for her son. And it really it had an impact on me. And uh, I just love, I just love her. Wow. That's such a gutsy and loving and bold response. Yeah. Definitely. It caught me off guard. I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> what? <laughs> but it was, it, I just love it. I love that, that mentality and that attitude. I think it's amazing. And I bet you it's serving her every single day and helping her rise up. Absolutely. Well, Madeline, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was such a pleasure and such an honor. Go give your sweeties a little hug for me. Maybe someday I'll get to come to Utah. Hey, that'd be fun. When this COVID season is over, I'm going to go visit all the satellite support groups. Hey, yay. That'll be so fun. I'm so excited. 
Before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. If you've been listening to this podcast or following me for a while, you know how important my mentors have meant to me and how much I value therapy for self-care and healing. BetterHelp is a professional online therapy and counseling service which gives you secure, personalized help when you need it. They offer their counseling and therapy sessions through video, text messaging, and phone calls. They know that not everyone's struggles and needs are the same, and that's why within just a few days of signing up, BetterHelp will assess your specific needs and goals and match you with a real-life counselor focused on helping you along your personal journey. And they do also offer financial aid services. So if you've been unsure about seeking out therapy or help, this is a great way to test the waters. I will leave all the details in the show notes and you can access our link for 10% off your first month at www.betterhelp.com backslash we are brave together. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode with Madeline Cheney. What a doll. I just absolutely love her and appreciate her and admire her and I admire how she has risen up and how she is serving other mothers and how she is using her story and using her voice for good and for encouragement and for building community. If you are out there and you have not yet subscribed to Brave Together Podcast, I encourage you to please do so. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. It really does help us and it does make a difference. Helps get our podcast out there. And if you are a new listener and you've not yet heard about We Are Brave Together, the community of special needs moms that is actually worldwide now, and you would like to be a part of the tribe and the sisterhood, just go to our website, wearebravetogether.com and fill out the little pop-up form. We are a nonprofit organization that offers support groups, workshops, and retreats, and I can't wait to see you and be with you and hug you. Please know that you are not alone. Thanks again for listening.